0: Hey, it's uh, good to see everybody. Uh, thank you for being here on our midweek. Um, I'm gonna read a couple of verses uh, in Psalm 78 in a minute. I will say, um, okay, I don't have any uh, videos on the screen for the screen and I don't have any PowerPoint. I don't have any pictures, uh, no, you know. So I'm saying that if you, if you wanna just stay in gallery mode, uh gallery view you don't have to look at my face big for the next 30 40 minutes that might be uh a little you know i don't know what discouraging or something anyway so if you want to go to gallery mode uh you're not going to miss anything uh i appreciate russ and phil asked me to share some things tonight really a kind of about uh history i think it's because i've lived more history than they have. Um, and in fact, I looking around, I, you know, I know I'm the, definitely the oldest among our elders, the oldest among our ministry staff. And I think I'm probably, uh, almost the oldest brother in the new Hope garden state church. It's just a little bizarre to have gotten to this place somehow. Uh, it seems this quickly, but, uh, We're gonna talk a little bit about the church tonight, the church, really our our fellowship, what we've come to call the ICOC. And uh, we're gonna talk about where we've come from, where we are and where we're going. And I've I've got, we're gonna try to do that in about the next 35, 40 minutes. uh, uh, Talk about about 200 years of history. So this is gonna be very abbreviated in some respects. And this is my perspective on some of these things. I know uh, you can uh, study church history. Uh, A number in our fellowship have written books about what we call the restoration movement history. And I'll I'll talk about that in a minute a little bit more. And the history of our fellowship. And, uh, you know, this is just my perspective as I look back on, I think, the way God has worked over the past couple of hundred years. Um, In Psalm 78, the psalmist says, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we've heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he's done. He goes on and says, We want to continue to share what God has done, he says, so that people will put their trust in God and not forget his deeds. Many of the Psalms are a recounting of what God has done. You know, the book of Deuteronomy is is really a very long sermon that Moses gave, his farewell address as he realized that he was not going into the promised land, and he keeps telling them, reminding them of the things God has done. That's part of, uh, you know, the biblical narrative. Uh, when Paul went to the synagogues, he recounted the things that God had had done, uh, working up to the coming of Christ. Uh, Stephen uh, told the story of what God had done through history. It's, it's important because. It's inspiring. It also helps us has, have a context. You know, sometimes you wonder, why do we do certain things? Why do we have certain perspectives? Why are we stuck in some places? Or why are we emphasizing other things? And, and uh, it's just good to know. I, I love history because uh, I, I, it, it's about people and particularly the history of God's people and what God has done and uh god is the one you know the church the church was promised by jesus right matthew 16 on this rock i'll build my church you know the rest of it the gates of hades will not prevail against it. in other words the church is god's eternal plan it's a perfect plan it's an amazing plan now sometimes the challenge is the perfect plan is implemented by whom Imperfect people, but it's still God's plan, and it came into being, you know, on the day of Pentecost, uh, when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles, and Peter preached, and 3,000 people were baptized. And after that day, the church is referred to as being in existence, and of course, you probably know the church, it, it wasn't a religious word the ecclesia, it meant the called out, it meant people who'd come together for some kind of common purpose, and certainly it came to have a uh, religious or a spiritual, uh, you know, connotation. Okay, the church, all right, we're not going to spend time in the history of uh, what happened after the death of the apostles, but I'm sure you know that gradually a division came, a lot of different groups, a lot of different denominations, uh, teaching different things. Uh, there were various movements to try to get back to the Bible. Uh, Martin Luther, the Anabaptist movement, uh, just a lot of uh, controversy. I believe there have always been people who were trying to follow God's plan. Watch your life. Watch your doctrine closely. I don't think the the God, you know, God's church died for centuries. I just, but uh, there were. Denominationalism became much more prevalent. Where have we come from? We are standing on the shoulders of some people who I believe God worked through really beginning about 200 years ago. And the early 1800s, 1820s, I believe God stirred some men's hearts. And what we've come to call the Restoration Movement. Maybe you've heard that uh, phrase, the Restoration Movement, trying to restore the New Testament Church. In other words, different men. Uh, it's sometimes called the Stone Campbell Movement. Uh, you know, we're, we're not trying to follow men, but uh, just as sort of a, a identifying mark, because there was a man named Barton W. w Stone another man named Alexander Campbell, they were both independently of each other until they kind of found out about each other and and came together, saying to people, let's just be Christians. Let's just be Christians, not some kind of denominational Christians. Let's just follow the New Testament. Let's restore the New Testament, because they looked around and they saw a lot of things that were being taught and practiced. In the name of Christianity, that were different from the New Testament, so uh, it was it was a significant plea, and the movement spread like wildfire across the United States, or what was then uh, the uh, the South, the Central States, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia. All there, this thousands and thousands and thousands of people were baptized uh to be new testament christians and from this uh, came what we came came to be referred to as the church of the christ my family heritage is in this movement Uh, i think i've I've shared that before i'm sure Uh, our grandchildren who are christians are the ninth generation in this fellowship my great-grandfather's great-grandfather uh, was a man named Andrew Craig, who left uh, a Baptist church to uh, started a, a congregation of what is now called the Church of Christ in a little town in Franklin, Tennessee. It was a little country town outside Nashville. Now it's kind of an upscale suburb of Nashville. But uh, the congregation is still there. It's very large Fourth Avenue Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. There's a historical marker In front of it with andrew craig's name and another man's name who were who really spearheaded that movement uh when i was a little boy my my grandfather was an elder in the church of christ his father was an elder in the church of christ my great-grandfather i remember going with him as a seven-year-old to open up the church building uh out in west tennessee there was a plea let's just be christians okay so we have been, we were most influenced by Alexander Campbell. I'm saying that because different personalities in this movement to just be New Testament Christians had a, a lot of influence on the history of it. And again, this is this. Some of this is my perspective, and I think, uh, but I think that, <laughs> I think it's true. Campbell was very brilliant. He was very logical. He was very, I guess you'd say, non-emotional. Let's look at the word and take it as a pattern for what we need to do. Let's go to the word, and and there's validity in that, but um, there was was an expression that he sort of started that you may have heard called, we speak where the Bible speaks. And we're silent where the Bible is silent. That's a good philosophy in a way. Uh, it had some drawbacks uh, in that, in my opinion, over the decades, it there, I think, grew to be what I would call kind of a legalistic approach to looking at the Bible and a perspective on being in the right church compared to other you know compared to denominations more than really following Jesus now that may be an unfair generalization but uh as time progressed uh honestly Jesus prayer for unity is a challenging prayer in its implementation because people, we have opinions, we have perspectives, we have backgrounds, we have baggage. When we try to come together, all those things get challenging. What I would call the Church of Christ that I grew up in, and again, trying to pick a Bible name, maybe you wonder where does the name Church of Christ come from? Romans 16, the Churches of Christ salute you, Paul wrote. I don't think he meant it to be a title, but the idea of of let's, you know, call our church something the Bible does, this movement kind of splintered into the Church of Christ that I grew up in, and a few of you on this screen that I know of, the instrumental Church of Christ throughout Indiana, Ohio, predominantly, which was very similar in doctrine, particularly the emphasis on baptism, but had instrumental music, music. the conservative Christian church, also very similar, and what became the Disciples of Christ Church? Now, I do have to say, what, what, you know, hopefully not without being judgmental, the Disciples of Christ Church became a much more, I don't know another word besides liberal. They're, they're, even today, their perspective on baptism is different, I think, from our perspective on the necessity of baptism. But all these groups have this root, their root, in a fellowship, called the restoration movement okay so you've got the church of christ there were a lot of divisions you know we've we've been going through a discussion about gender roles we've been through a lot of other things that we'll talk about a little bit more uh in in a few minutes uh the idea of being silent where the bible is silent meant practically if the Bible doesn't authorize something specifically, you don't see it. We probably shouldn't do it. Does that follow? What, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, um, you know, there, there's some. Uh, that's why instrumental music became an issue. Uh, and and I'll say this: I don't mean to be judgmental at all. But there, but the, the view of the Bible that was was really kind of, I'd have to say, rigid. Uh, for example, you know, in Corinth, there were lots of issues. I'm telling you, sometimes if you feel like, boy, we got a lot of stuff to work through, read the letter to the Corinthians. Uh, definitely some challenges. Okay, they were having issues with fellowship, with favoritism. Uh, people were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, uh, you know, and Paul's just, he's saying, look, that's not why you come together. He says, Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? You may have or may not have noticed that. Well, there were some very conservative and I and I know sincere brothers who felt like, okay, because he says that, that means you can't eat in the church building. I don't think that's the spirit to me of what Paul was saying. And as we had church buildings, you know. <laughs> uh where i was uh first in the ministry there was a breezeway there was a church building a breezeway and then there was a fellowship hall with the kitchen so it wasn't really in the building that sounds legalistic and and again i don't mean to be judgmental i think people were really trying to do what they believe was right but there were a lot of divisions over what i would call disputable matters can you take money from the church treasury and do this or do that? And it wasn't a consistent position. Church buildings aren't in the New Testament. Songbooks aren't in the New Testament. Sunday schools not in the New Testament. So there was some arbitrary uh, feeling sometimes about what's disputable and what's not. Okay, so where are we so far? I do appreciate the legacy of people who said let's go back to the bible let's don't follow traditions of men we study that with people when we study the word don't we where jesus quotes isaiah you've set aside you know the commands of god to follow the traditions of men that's still appropriate let's base what we believe on the bible that is powerful that is defendable. That is secure. Okay, So uh, the challenges of the legacy that I believe I grew up in uh, in the churches of Christ were, I think there were a, a, a lot of uh, there was a lot of division uh, over different issues. The churches of Christ that I grew up in were completely segregated for the most part there were the white churches and there were the black churches and they had fellowship with each other, but they were, uh, separate from each other. There, um, there, there was, uh, just, uh, uh, but there was still a lot of explosive growth, even through up through the 1940s and 1950s after world war II, there were a lot of missionaries, uh, that went around the world, particularly to Europe that went to Africa, uh, a number of places, South America. <clears throat> okay, so where do we come from? There was a congregation in Gainesville, Florida, not too large a congregation, uh, very Southern town. Uh, and they hired a young minister named Chuck Lucas. At the same time, in the denominational world, This was the 60s, there were turmoil, uh, political turmoil, racial turmoil, Vietnam War, all kinds of things. And uh, people, you know, in the religious world began to believe this is a time when we can reach young people who are looking for something. And campus evangelism uh, began in a lot of different places. In other words, let's, let's try to reach people before they make uh, permanent life decisions and uh, uh brother named chuck lucas went to crossroads church of christ well it wasn't called crossroads then it was 39th street church of christ and uh had a vision for reaching students on the university of florida campus it was then uh extremely large school uh thousands of people lived in the dormitories and uh They began a a campus ministry movement there and Crossroads that again, we are standing on the shoulders of some faith and some vision. Uh, They were reaching hundreds of college students each year. Among those people, Sheridan and Debbie Wright, Cynthia Powell, uh, Hope and Gary Heredia, were, go back to that time. Lewis Livingston goes back to that time at Crossroads and uh, they had a vision of having campus ministries throughout uh, the United States and uh, began to train young people. Sam Powell was converted uh, by somebody from Crossroads who went to North Carolina and then Sam moved to North Carolina, got training for the ministry. Uh, one thing that was unique and powerful and moving was that this was a, this was an integrated movement. This was, they were reaching college students, white, black, uh, Asian, uh, all kinds of people. I first visited there in the summer of 1977, and I was just so moved by seeing, wow, this is what the church ought to look like. People of all backgrounds uh, come together. And uh, that was uh, revolutionary in a a way and uh, set the stage for where we are today in many respects. Okay, so you fast forward, lots of uh, people became Christians, campus ministers were sent a lot of places, there was a lot of trouble. That's what the word I would use. Young people who hadn't grown up in the church, but were excited and zealous and saw what was happening on college campuses, went sometimes, probably, possibly, maybe, probably, with some zeal without knowledge, but they went into existing congregations and some there was just sometimes it was old wine and new wineskins. A lot of church splits, a lot, a lot of hurt, and uh, as now, as an older man and as a shepherd, I, I appreciate more some of the elders who felt protected for their churches, and yet, anyway, it was, it was a challenging time, and uh, about that time, a young man converted at Crossroads named Kit McKeen. Uh, he had ended up in Boston, and and uh, really decided, less right or wrong let's try to plant new congregations throughout the nation and the world instead of going to existing congregation churches of Christ that set up uh uh that set up a tension that was not right and not healthy and uh it's taken a lot of years to overcome it's not unity I understand it uh but uh Mary Lou and I became part of What was the Crossroads Movement and then Boston and so forth, the Discipling Movement, finally the ICOC. In the late 70s, after college in the Army, I was a minister of a congregation down in Homestead, Florida. We got uh, invited up to Gainesville. We saw what was going on. We just were so moved by the zeal, by the not necessarily the evangelism, because we were part of a very evangelistic Church of Christ down at the bottom of Florida but the commitment, the commitment and the uh, cultural disparity were so, and even that, because we were part of a military congregation, we were part of an integrated congregation already, but just to see people of all backgrounds becoming Christians and, and uh, loving God and wanting to make a difference in the world. Okay, so, you, you know, moving ahead, uh, Boston sent people planted congregations throughout the nation, ultimately throughout the world. A lot of good things happened. You know, a group of 18 people came to New York City almost 40 years ago, the summer of 1982. No, three, 1983, Chicago, 1982. Mary Lou's parents were part of that uh, church planting. He'd been an elder in a mainline church and and, uh, decided to help with that. and uh, congregations were planted, and, and uh, a lot of great things happened. I think God used that uh, in a lot of ways. A couple of, uh, you know, some things happened good, uh, not good. Uh, there, were, there was a goal, you know, a, a desire to plant churches around the world, and that was awesome. Uh, there, I think there are people on this screen who went on mission teams uh, Boston sent out many mission teams, a lot of people from New York went on some of those mission teams around the world, uh, an exciting time, there was a kind of a philosophical change, speak where the Bible speak, remain silent where the Bible is silent, speak where the Bible speaks, in other words, that, for example, baptism, The Bible is very clear. The purpose for baptism, it's just very clear throughout the the New Testament. Be silent where the Bible is silent. Our heritage was if the Bible doesn't talk about it, you can't do it. Sort of the revamped philosophy was if the Bible is silent, that means it's not prohibited. That seems like a subtle change, but it's not. That's when we started having instrumental music. Some of you, when you first came to church before the early 90s, we were completely acapella, which again, I gotta say, I saw Mark and Margaret on here and other people, they came later, but acapella music is just so beautiful. It is so beautiful, but so are our bands and all of that. But the idea that as long as it doesn't conflict with direct scripture, then if it's not prohibited, then it's, then we can do it. And uh, that is more than kind of a subtle change. Okay. Uh, Some of you know, I think the uh, God did a lot of things. And I want to say again, I look back over the years, both growing up in the church, I appreciate the commitment that I was taught the authority of the bible the authority of god's word and the power of god i appreciate our fellowship through the years and the emphasis on really following jesus and being disciples of jesus because we are people i think uh i I think this is broad generalization but what had by then become i guess the boston the discipling movement I think we got ahead of ourselves. I think we I think we were caught up in a lot of pride, a lot of dogmatism, some authoritarianism, and um, a top-down leadership, and, and an emphasis, too much emphasis on performance. Okay, let me say again, why is history is important? In the Church of Christ from which we came, again, I'm not going to say it was lukewarm and all of that but it, there was not the emphasis on commitment and daily discipleship that we know. So in some respects, there was a reaction to that, which went to, to me, the pendulum swing, swinging over to such an emphasis on our performance as Christians that we lost grace somewhat, again, this is broad generalization, not everywhere, not everybody, but, but we, we do not do what we do to get to heaven. We, we live lives of commitment because Jesus died for us on the cross, because of the grace of God. Performance is important, but it's because of a relationship with God. And, you know, it's complicated in one sense because people are complicated. But uh, I think God just kind of spanked us in 2003, honestly, and said, You guys, you are my, you're trying to be my church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I want my church to be a light to the world. There's some stuff that's got to change. And uh, I believe we have tried to. Uh, Change some of those things. And uh so, but we got to where we were because of you know, a progression of events. You know, often to me, I don't know if Tom Hughes is on here. I saw Tom, he's he's a our history teacher. History often people, you know, is a cycle. This happens and their reactions, and there's a reaction to the reaction, and there's another reaction, and you get back to. Where you started, I think we see that happening in our world today, somewhat. Uh, And so it's good to stop and say, how did we get here? Thank you, Tom, he says all true. How did we get here? Uh, We got here through a series of events and people trying to please God. Sometimes though, getting, I think, too caught up in ourselves or so forth, okay. We are, I appreciate that where we've been, we are part of a broader fellowship in my mind that I still call the restoration movement. Groups like the independent churches of Christ, independent Christian church, and the uh, instrumental churches of Christ, whose doctrine, who we believe the same thing about baptism, what it means to be a Christian. Uh, There's so much more emphasis on discipleship. Uh, even throughout the evangelical world, Uh, you know, we we are we are not what it takes to be the church. You know, we say this to people: Paul, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Right, that's what Paul says to to Timothy: Watch your life, your doctrine closely. That's what makes us the group of people trying to follow God. Okay, so where have we come from? I'll say again: We are standing on the shoulders of some people who took. Sometimes some very unpopular stands, some very controversial stands, some stands that were costly to them to say, let's just be Christians. Let's just be Christians. Let's really follow the word. Okay, that, if that isn't going well, let's emphasize this. Let's emphasize this. Okay, so we've gotten to where we are now. And I think we, okay, where we are, um, we want to, we've, I believe, tried to learn some of the lessons that I believe God wanted us to learn in 2003, that um, we need to have zeal and righteousness without controlling each other. (laughs) We need to have relationships and involvement in each other's lives but we 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 can't have a hierarchy in one sense that existed we're trying to learn how to be a fellowship Uh, it was after 2003 that i think we became kind of called the international churches of christ for lack of a better term and i want to say that is not meant to be a denominational term but more an identifying term that is a concept I can grasp because I grew up being taught that. Church of Christ, that's not an official name. That's a ref- reference to a, a biblical name, but that, that gets a little uh, a little challenging somehow sometimes. But we're trying to be a fellowship of disciples following Jesus, following the doctrine of the New Testament as we understand it. We're, we're trying to be connected to each other in cooperation not uh, structure and authority. And I hope where we are now is a willingness to reevaluate consistently, realizing some of the things we have done are, I just would have to say, kind of Southern Church of Christ traditions that may not necessarily have been wrong but may not necessarily be biblical either or appropriate in 2022. Uh, Some of the things that we've faced, I hope we mature as a fellowship. Again, we started out in a white Southern Church of Christ. Uh, We quickly became a church of uh, people of color as well. But I think in the last couple of years, we've recognized that has had some Superficiality that we've tried to take deeper and understand more what it means to be a multiracial cultural uh, fellowship of people. And I think, again, Jesus' prayer for unity is challenging. I hope we want to address issues. We've been through all of these things. I'll say again if you haven't listened to the four hour workshop about the gender roles, uh, take it in chunks. Why did we get into this? Okay we live in 2022, we are influenced by the culture of the world, but we can't adhere to the culture of the world, we live in the world, but not of the world, sometimes things that happen in the world can cause us to ask, is what we're doing appropriate, you know, uh, we live in a a very, uh, you know, the sexual uh, acceptance in our world of kind of everything is, is very different from the world I grew up in in the 50s and the 60s. We're trying not to be self-righteous about that, but we have not changed the biblical stance about morality, about the purity, those things we have not let ourselves be influenced by the culture. That's challenging. I appreciate the work Guy Hammond has done in helping us understand how we can uh, adhere to Bible principles and yet not just be obnoxious about it. And yet, you know, it's a challenging situation. Uh, I I think the the women's role, we, you know, realize I think as a fellowship, we need to evaluate what the New Testament teaches, what were traditions, uh, what were um, cultural things, it's challenging. Let me say there's some disputable matters. Here's where I hope we are. I want to believe we are. The fellowship I grew up in divided and divided and divided over what I would call disputable matters. Sometimes, again, it was out of, I believe, sincere wanting to please God. Let me, for, let me give you another example. You know, when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, he apparently <laughs> passed around, uh, uh, you know, some kind of container with the wine in it and said, all of you drink from it. All of you drink this. Well, some people took that meant to say you all are supposed to drink from the same one. So there were congregations that believed you had to have one cup. Boy, that would not, I'm glad we don't believe that anymore in the time of COVID and the time of a lot of other things. I don't think that's that's not the spirit of what Jesus was saying to me. Okay, there are a lot of things we could divide over. I believe we are in a place to understand we can have some different perspectives about the term Paul uses is disputable matters. He uses some examples. Some people have come from a background that cause them to honor certain days and consider them special and holy. Other people like, no, no, no. Paul saying, accept one another. Don't make this a test of fellowship. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, united, united in Ephesians 4 on some things, but there's some things we can disagree on. And I hope as a broader fellowship, we can are coming to the place where we can say we may see some things differently, but what unites us is the blood of Christ. What unites us is following Jesus. What unites us on this screen, The I see page one of nine pages, I see people on here of all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of social economic groups. We are united because of the blood of Christ. No place but the church does that. No place. No place. It's a precious thing. And we got to fight for it, fight Not each other, (laughs) but protect it because it says to the world, Ephesians 3 shows principalities and powers. I don't even know what they are, but these authorities in the heavenly realms, the wisdom of God. I believe we are in a a healthy place. Are we in a place where we want to be? Never. I mean, we're always trying to learn and grow. I want to say that again. We always want to learn and grow. Uh, we always want to evaluate uh what we're doing. I, you know, we, we need to talk more about grace. I appreciate that we're we're trying to get this balance of grace and works. That's a challenging thing. We're saved by grace, then Paul says, Yeah, but we're created for good works. But the grace comes first. Uh, we we are trying to be in a place to uh have, as I said, cooperation without control. And now I'm talking about our greater fellowship and our families of churches, the International Church of Christ across the world. Okay, so where where have we come from? We have a history in the Restoration Movement, in the particular branch of the Church of Christ, a more conservative branch, of the Church of Christ, uh, we're affected by that, and that's not necessarily wrong because some of the the principles are very valid. But we've got to continue to ask. This isn't. It's not a one and done. You know, <laughs> restoring New Testament Christianity. But we we've come from uh, a movement I believe God stirred in men's hearts. Let's get back to the Bible. I believe God stirred in the hearts of Chuck Lucas and Sam Lang and the elders in the Crossroads Church. Let's think bigger. Let's reach college students. Let's see what God can do. We've come from that. Uh, I believe God worked uh, through our human failings in spite of us. I believe God said at one time, that's enough. You need to get some things straightened out uh and uh, now where we are now, we're trying to be a fellowship of people who watch our lives, our doctrines closely, but we're centered on being disciples of Jesus. Does doctrine matter? Yes. Do our works matter, our performance? Yes, but it's all in response to the cross. And where we are, I, I hope, I believe, is we're willing to learn and grow. We're willing to tackle racial issues. We're willing to tackle, you know, political issues if we need to. We're willing to, we're willing to tackle gender issues and say, wait a minute, we've been too restrictive in some things. I believe out of good hearts, but still, no, 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 no. I appreciate Gloria's prayer. You know, not that long ago, Gloria didn't lead a prayer for all of us. <laughs> I mean, that's a small thing, but it's not, it's not a small thing. Uh, Okay, because the church shows the wisdom of God. So much more I can say. I got about three minutes to close out. Where are we going? Oh my goodness, where are we going? That is such a big question. You know, where are we going? It kind of is where we are, where we're going. We want, we're, we're going to continue to study, evaluate both how can we be more united as a multicultural church? How can we reach more people? How can we make sure? that every uh, disciple is feels a significant part of the body that women are honored and men are honored and our youth are honored. And, and, you know, there's still a lost world out there. And the answer is not politics. It's not economics. It's not education. It's the gospel. Where are we going? Our demographics has changed as a church. Uh, You know, When Mary Lou and I cast our lot, which was then the Crossroads movement, we were 30 years old and had three kids, and we were in the old group. Literally, we were in the old group. Well, we ain't in the old, we're in the old group now, but there's a different reason for it. Our demographics has changed. I believe where we're going, I think we can, our, our, the, the practicals of our commitment may look different sometimes because we're older and tireder <laughs> and we've got jobs and families and yards to mow and bills to pay but the hearts the same and our ability to you know start a conversation in the line at the grocery store with somebody and say i'd like to invite you to my church or a coworker or all those things that's still the same Okay, and uh, where we're going, a huge thing on the heart of the elders and Sam Powell and our region leaders is raising up leadership for the future. Raising up leadership for the future. We're getting older. Happy birthday tomorrow, Russ. He can tell you how old he is if he wants to, but you know he's not 30 anymore. We're... (laughs) We are maturing. Uh, we've got to raise up the future young people who will be the Bible talk leaders and deacons and elders and you know great disciples and and uh, evangelists and so forth of the next generation. So, okay, what what are we saying? Yeah, Russ, Russ, put it in there. Fifty-two. I vaguely remember fifty-two. Okay, where have we been? I believe we've been part of God's plan. I believe it was God working in the hearts of Barton W. Stone and Alexander Campbell, other men, my great-grandfather's great-grandfather, Andrew Craig, and a lot of men to say, let's get back to the Bible. I believe it was God working in the heart of Chuck Lucas, you know, the elders at Crossroads, Rogers Bartley and, and uh Brother Whitehead, Dick Whitehead, uh, who's uh uh Wyndham Shaw, Jeannie Shaw's father, uh, to uh say, we can do, we can reach more young people. And that has changed the course of our lives, literally. Uh, I believe God was working through KIP and the Boston Church. I think again, we 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 got we got awry. And in a way, it gives me confidence, you know the hebrew writer says god disciplines those he loves because he loves us i believe we got some discipline i believe we needed some discipline because god loves us and he wants us to be a light to the world okay we so we don't want history to repeat itself so we're trying to learn and grow where are we we're trying to continue you know to be god's church and that's where we're going Uh, i don't know i hope this is Helpful, because sometimes you know you look at stuff. Why aren't we more of this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Okay, sometimes the answer is we'll get there. Sometimes the answer is it took us a while to get here, so we're trying to unlearn and relearn. Uh, we're trying to not make the same mistakes again. Uh, we're trying to uh, really let God and His Holy Spirit lead us. And I'm I am still grateful to be alive and optimistic that this is Jesus' church, God's church, Paul told the elders in Ephesus, that was purchased with the blood of Christ, the gates of Hades shall not prevail it, it is the light to the world, God's way is the answer, Jesus is the answer, and with Jesus comes his body, the church, and uh, we can make a difference in the world, okay, amen, thank you for listening, hope you're still there, (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.